0: The Fields Auto Group proudly presents
1: Huddle Up Uh-oh. with Bucky Brooks. <laughs> J.P. Shagger John Osier, and NFL Network Analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season.
1: Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now.
0: Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. It's Wednesday, April 13th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, Jaguars.com, senior writer John Osier Subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network and give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com. You can also get us on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating if you can. Thank you. Happy Wednesday, Bucky. What's up?
2: What's up, guys? We're getting close to the draft. I'm excited. The offseason program kicked off down in Jacksonville. There is a lot to discuss, and I'm excited to chat.
0: A lot happening, Johnny O.
1: Busy. Yeah, I mean, uh, the draft is is uh, coming up fast, and I'm fascinated to uh, get into a couple of the issues with Bud.
0: Oh, yes. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit here on Huddle Up today. We start off, though, with the offseason program, as you mentioned, Bucky. Well, the volunteering period is underway. Players officially arrived Monday. Strength and conditioning, meetings. There are no coaches allowed on the field except for the strength and conditioning staff. A few players at the podium Tuesday, including Trevor Lawrence, Jaguars quarterback, explaining the fresh feeling around the organization
3: just from a like energy and morale boost it does feel like starting over in a good way you know there's a lot of a lot of positivity in the locker room in the building a lot of energy which has been great i think it's important too to just kind of learn from last year and always not necessarily think about that all the times you don't want to think about the bad things but you want to use what you learned and and not make the same mistakes especially as individuals as as players like things that went right went wrong we all have things we can get better at and for me I learned so much. So I wouldn't say it's like starting over because I'm, I'm thankful for those things I learned. I don't want to start over. You know, I want to keep those in my back pocket. So stuff like that, I think it's a good way to look at it. And I think guys are doing that.
0: Quarterback Shaquille Griffin explained the first football interactions with the new coaching staff.
2: Get a chance to see the new coaches um, for the first time and have everybody back. You know, uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. It's a different feel. I love that feeling and getting a chance to be with coaches who have experience in the league. You know, uh, the first day we met with coaches, and people were saying, Yeah, I was in the league. Ten years, eleven years, ten years, twelve years—that actually played. That's amazing to me, and that's a person who can understand anything that I might see or go through, or maybe in the future that can help me out. So I feel like the atmosphere is different because it's so relatable.
0: And then there's running back Travis Etienne Jr., who missed last season with a Liz Frank injury. He says he's 85 to 90 percent back and ready, but he also had the quote of the day about last year.
2: Nah, not nah, definitely. Just that's just the human element of it. Uh, just seeing the results, you definitely like. If there was any year to miss, I missed a great one.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Travis Etienne telling it like it is. Some different perspectives there, Bucky, on last season moving ahead to 22.
2: Yeah, the one thing I'm going I'm, to I'm, I'm start with is I'm going to start with Shaquille Griffin's quote and why it's relevant to where the Jaguars are and how they can rebuild the program. He talked about uh, being able to have coaches who have pro experience, guys who have played, guys who are relatable so they can – kind of relate to the struggles that take place between the lines. It's really important because the one thing that players want is they want coaches that have a level of credibility where when things get hard, the coach has to be a problem solver. And so it's not saying that someone who hasn't played can't be a great coach, but there's a different connection that players have with those who have played because a lot of times those who have played Understands the, they understand the difficult downs that a play may, player may experience, meaning when they're on the field and say, hey, man, that's a tough play. I get that. We put you in a bad situation. However, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. Just that little caveat gives a player um, a little more confidence that at least the coach understands how hard it is between the lines. Sometimes when you have a coaching staff where you don't have as many guys that have played the game, Sometimes they think the X's and O's on the whiteboard uh, play out just like that on the grass, and it's different. It's different when you've got real players out there as the chess pieces as opposed to all the things that you may draw up in the meeting rooms.
1: Yeah, just the experience of, of, of uh, having a young team. I mean, it's uh, – you know, Bucky talks about on the field. I can probably imagine how life is off the field better because I never played. It's a, it's a Wednesday and things are going weird. And you're sitting in the meeting room with your coach and you can ask the coach hey is this how it's supposed to be and the coach said yeah here's what i've seen before here's what i saw eight years ago when i was in houston or here's where here's what i saw when i was in miami playing uh, 15 years ago i uh, it's certainly i think for a young player who hasn't seen the nfl before helps to have a coach who's been in it for 12 years who isn't standing at a podium, which happened a lot last year, or even in a media room saying, yeah, I, I'm learning about this too. Well, that's okay, but it strikes me that this team right now is in a situation where it, it really needs the guy who's not saying, yes, I'm learning too. It's, yes, I can I can help you get through this. And I'm with Bucky. I think uh, – I don't know that that's always needed – but it sure feels like it's needed and, and it's going to be a defining element of this team right now.
2: Yeah. And so in some cases um, it doesn't have to be 100%, but you would like to have a little diversity on your staff in terms of mixture of experience playing and coaching the experience, because you have uh, 53 different types of guys coming from different backgrounds in terms of how they played, how they got to this destination in the national football league. And so when you have um, a diverse staff, when it comes to those experiences, You have different guys that can relate to different things. But when we talk about the youth and inexperience on the team, when you have coaches who have not only coached in the league a long time but have played, they can explain the different cadence and rhythms of the season. They can stand in front of the team and say, okay, here's where we are. We're in the off-season program. Here's what the objective is. The objective is to learn the basics of the playbook, to get the strength and conditioning part down as we're building up to the minicamp. Then they can stand again and say, hey, when we're at minicamp, now it's one thing to learn it, it's another thing to be able to execute it. And now we got to be able to evaluate you on how you're able to take things from the meeting room to the field. But just those little tidbits along the way will help the team because they'll understand the objective of every situation, where we are in preseason, where we are during the regular season, all of those other things. I think that is the biggest thing from a credibility standpoint the questions have been eliminated like, hey, does this guy know what he's doing? Well, now that is out because they've not only played, but they've also coached, and they've done it at high levels because you have Super Bowl winners in both regards.
1: Yeah, I've always said, JP, what you don't want is guys standing around the locker room talking amongst themselves, trying to figure it out themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, and having little huddles in the locker room going, hey, is this coach nobody's talking you know, So, What's with this guy? It, it's hard it, – and once that starts, it's hard to get it rolling the other way. Um, and that's why, again, last seven or eight years since JP and I have been working together, he's heard me say it a million times. Coaching seven,
0: eight years, is, ten years. Well, John, what are you talking about?
1: It seems like twenty. I, I wanted to just sort of uh, <laughs> minimize that, but oh, the, world. Um, the head coaches and the coaches' ability to have players believing in what they're saying. To me, I. Maybe I go too far the other way sometimes. I think that's so much more important than X's and O's, having these guys on the same page and believing in you. In professional football, uh, if you don't have that, I think you're lost, and I think this staff's going to have that.
2: Yeah, culture matters more than scheme. The environment that you create matters more than the X's and O's. If there's a level of connectivity, if the program is built on commitment, accountability, and trust where everyone in the building, everybody – Uh, on all sides, not only the football side, but the business side, everyone understands, like, hey, here's how we go about doing our business, then it's a lot easier because everyone understands what the standards are and how they have to live up to the standards. And make no mistake, John alluded to something that, I don't know if people realize this, but one of the first things that players do, they go to the media guide and they look at every coach's background and they read this stuff. And if you come from a little spot and you don't have any relative experience, you can up there and espouse all these crazy philosophies and theories, but players are looking at you sideways when they don't believe that you know exactly what you're talking about and you don't want to have those little side conversations that John is talking about.
0: This is the Huddle Up Podcast. Let's hear a little more from Trevor Lawrence, I guess kind of on the subject. Press Taylor, younger coach in the NFL. He's been around the league. He's the offensive coordinator, though, for the Jaguars. Well, the quarterback loves the interaction so far with the O.C.
3: I really like his demeanor. He's really, really calm. I mean, similar, honestly, to Coach Bevel, as far as demeanor, really calm, never gets too high or too low, Um, so I really like that. That's the type of guy I like to be around. And then as far as just offensively, bring some different things to the table. Obviously, we haven't been together for long. It only really started on, on Monday, so can't say too much right now but really like the way he thinks about things and just how he the offense is so complimentary and just how he schemes things up I think it's he does a really good job of finding the weak points of defenses and exposing them and I just think he's really smart and being able to talk to him I think we align pretty well and we're on the same page.
0: So, obviously, guys, that's important to have those two, at least on the same page, working well together. Doug Peterson will come in as the week goes along during the week, and they'll work together on formulating a game plan. But to have that, that base relationship, John, vital.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw this one to the scout because, uh, you know, he's been in locker rooms. He's seen more of this than I have. How much can environment – and what Trevor's talking about help him. And I guess the overriding question is, do we even know, based on anything that happened last season, what Trevor Lawrence is going to be? Or does it sort of start now, if if they can get everything right around him? You see what I'm getting at, Buck?
2: Yeah, I think a couple things. Uh, I think we do know what Trevor Lawrence is about because he dealt with difficult circumstances last year, and I came away with more respect and admiration for him after watching him go through what he did his rookie season than I did prior to him arriving with the Jaguars because he was a model uh, pro in handling all of the stuff that a rookie, a first-year player should not have to handle as the face of the franchise. Secondly, I think what Trevor Lawrence talks about, when he talked about uh, Press Taylor's demeanor, the calmness, the poise, that stuff matters because here's what you have to understand. Trevor Lawrence comes from a situation in Clemson where Dabo Swinney was the coach. Dabo can be maybe animated on game day, but that's not his ordinary thing. Also, the guys that were close to Trevor, um, Tony Elliott, and those guys, they also are more teachers than screamers. And so now what you have, because I noticed that personally, you have Doug Peterson, who's a teacher, not a screamer. You have Press Taylor, who's a teacher, not a screamer. You have Mike McCoy, who's a teacher. You have two of those guys who played in the National Football League So now what Trevor has is a think tank of guys who can not only see it through his eyes, but they can give it to him in a way that's easily digestible without all of the emotion. And so if you think about how hard the position is, the last thing that you need to do is to parse through emotional responses from your coach. The thing that players want is give me the information, make it clear and direct so we can talk about it, and then I can go play. I think just in that clip, Trevor has more confidence because he just knows the way the information is coming to him is going to be easy for him to just kind of process it and then go and do a hard job.
0: We'll get Press Taylor's view of this tomorrow. He's joining us on Jaguars Happy Hour Radio tomorrow afternoon in our first conversation with the Jaguars offensive coordinator. One more from Trevor Lawrence in his press conference yesterday. The voluntary work with the wide receiver's at this moment is key if it's done properly.
3: We started throwing a little bit all together. This is the first time we could use the facility. So um, off season, obviously, most of those guys that are new didn't get here until right before we start OTAs. So they're trying to you know find places, all that. So didn't get to work with them much this off season. So now we got a lot of time. You know, we have two weeks of just throwing our own, and then we'll have that period, and after those two weeks where we start. Getting out there with some coaches, some routes on air, all that stuff. So you got time to progress into it. I feel like we're in a good spot right now. It's I think more important just to get everybody speaking the same language when we're doing the installs, whatever it is. Get everybody on the same page so when we're out there, we're all saying the same things. Because if you're out there and no one really is on the same page and you call routes different things, it makes it more difficult. So we're we're getting there now. We're working towards it. Really like, you know, from what I've from, from the, when I've talked to them and I've been around them, I really like all the. The new guys that we have, I think they're all grinders, really hard workers, and we'll bring bring something this organization needs, you know, the right attitude, just the right guys. I think that's just as important as getting a great player, is is guys that are going to do things the right way, and I think all of them are that way from what it seems.
0: Sounds like obviously establishing that language is what's happening this week. It's their first time to really talk football together, coaching staff to players. Uh, There's people from all different walks of the NFL and football. You have to have that one language before you can start building an offense, Bucky.
2: Yeah. I, I, like listening to Trevor, uh, the themes are always the same. He talked little, he, he didn't talk as much about their playing ability, but he more talked about the guy. Uh, when we talk about culture matters more than scheme and all that other stuff, I think in his short time, he's realized that is who's around you. And can we have uh, 53 guys that are all doing the same things, meaning we're all working, we're all here to get better, we're all here committed to winning games. There are no outside distractions when it comes to what we're doing. I think that's big. And I think that comes on the heels of, I heard Shaq talk about uh, not being able to go live or, or document things that were inside the building having to put the phone away. I think what you're seeing is a level of professionalism that is kind of being impressed upon the team. Hey, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to be pros and when we're here we're locked in we're focused on getting better and it's more about putting in the work and less about all the other stuff that can um be secondary to winning game
0: not quite the concentration line from back in the old days right but um
2: i mean even though the concentration line look man the concentration line in theory like, hey, sometimes you need to tap into focus i thought it was a good thing i would think for john when john walked across that concentration line he went out there to do the best job that he could do he was locked in Watching all the people, I think sometimes it makes you stand up a little straighter. For years,
1: I had a concentration line sign for years that I took from Stevens Point, the Did first you really? uh, training camp. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, and uh, but I think this is a very important off season, and, and uh, JP's eyebrows are going to raise because I always talk about how unimportant the off season is. But who are you for I don't a even young? Know you anymore? I, I've always said for a young quarterback and especially a young offense. Off-seasons are very important. I'm looking forward to testing my theory someday, JP, where if you have a veteran quarterback who still needs to be here during the off-season, but with veteran people around him, uh, with a coach and a coordinator who have been here for a couple of years, then I think the off-season uh, attendance guys being here uh, diminishes uh, – the need for that diminishes greatly. And then it really can become voluntary. Guys can come in and, and, and sort of check in and see uh, what they need to know, what they need to learn. But for a new staff, for new people uh, getting to know each other, it, this time's critical. And uh, unfortunately, Jaguars have been in a cycle of newness, so off seasons are always critical. And uh, you know, I, is this more critical than others? I, I don't know. It is because it's now, and because you want this team to get better. And uh, I loved what I heard from Trevor yesterday. I'm with Bucky. I think he gets it. I think he gets what's important. First and understands if he has the right guys around him, everything else falls into place because these guys are pros. If they're the right guys, they'll figure it out.
2: Hold on, now, John. I'm gonna I'm push back on you because the offseason is important all the time, regardless of whether you're a veteran or a young guy. It's very important because I know you talk about just popping, get what you know. No, we don't do that. We need you here. We need 100% attendance. It's Florida. It's warm. It's, vol- like, you it's should voluntary, Bucky. It's voluntary. Like, like, voluntary volunteer. It's going to be great. We don't have a lot of volunteers. A lot of volunteers, we have a great attendance. But for Trevor, the reason this is important, the biggest jump that quarterbacks make typically is from their first year to their second year. And the reason why this is for most players in general, one, you now have a better understanding of the NFL game. Two, you now have a better understanding of your weaknesses as it relates to the NFL game. If you've had a real offseason to work on your game, not to work on combine training and all the other stuff that precedes your rookie season. The other part is you now understand how to put a plan in place to put yourself in a position to be at your best. You've experimented with things throughout your rookie season based on what you learned from veterans and the coaches or whatever. Now you begin to put a plan in place. So this offseason is him putting it all together, him having a better understanding of what's real and what's needed and what's unnecessary. And I think his language when he talks about guys being on the same page, the same verbiage and all that, comes from last year maybe being in a mess and him reevaluating and saying, yeah, this probably could be a little better when it comes to me getting ready to play with my guys on the court.
1: For young players, it's critically important. For a Everybody. five-year veteran. Everybody. Reggie Wayne, after after his third year, and I hope I'm getting in the – I'm getting the year right, and if Reggie here listens to this, if I'm wrong, I apologize. Throughout his career, once he got himself established, he'd come in the first week of voluntaries, make sure he knew what was going on, come back second year of mandatories. I mean, I mean, I'd come back for the mandatory, come back for training camp, play the season, go to the Pro Bowl, go to the playoffs, come back and do it again the next year. For guys Is like that, different? you don't need it. For it's
2: Indianapolis. What am I doing in Indianapolis? It's cold. It's snowy. How can I get good work in? We're talking about a different. It's Florida and Jacksonville. It's warm.
1: Best running the back, back I ever in. saw did the same thing here, Fred Taylor. If you're. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I think you got him, John. Winner, John. Talk to your boy MJD about the off season, oh, yeah, Buck. That's right. You'll see him in a couple of days. Uh huh. He'll lie hey, to you and tell you he was here, but he wasn't. No. <laughs> See, but, I,
2: but like, look, I've seen MJD, in no disrespect, but MJD it looks like he still needs to be in the offseason program now. Oh. That's that's my point. <laughs> wow. I need him back in the offseason so I can monitor and make sure he's
1: good. What? What?
2: That's fair. You win that one.
1: <laughs> okay, winner
2: buck. Uh,
0: the Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. Lock in your seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. Bucky brings out the draft crystal ball after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier, The upcoming daily play schedule, it's getting red hot. Lil Dirk, April 19th, Tim McGraw May 5th, Erica Badu with Ja Rule and Goody Mob May 6th. Later this spring and summer, two nights of Dave Matthews Band, two nights of Lumineers, two nights of Keith Urban. Tickets and info at dailiesplace.com.
1: When was Goody Mob pop? That's like 25 that's years, right? Yeah, a
2: while ago. Uh, that was when I was
0: playing. That's yeah.
1: 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, that's. I was like, really excited about oldie Mob. I forgot about
2: that Goody Mob. I had my. My ear getting ready for Keith Urban, he brought up big goodie mob because it takes me to a different place. That's, a diff- yeah, that,
0: that's, that's certainly a different place. The
1: 90s locker room, I believe, had some goodie mob playing. I bet it. they <laughs> did.
0: Uh, I bet they did. Hey, we're two weeks to the NFL draft, a little over two weeks, uh, two weeks and a day. In fact, Bucky, on uh, April 13th, this Wednesday, what are you feeling at number one overall right now?
2: At the end of the day, I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the pick. I think we're going to go through this circuitous route where we go all over the place and we talk about all these different guys. I think at the end of the day, when you hear the players talk about the locker room, the environment, and that stuff, the most important thing you have to do when you're Doug Peterson and you're bringing in a new era is the first pick has to embody everything that you're about. When I think about Aiden Hutchinson, we can talk about the production and all that other stuff, but the guy, the player himself, he fits right in with what they talk about being – a blue-collar worker, someone that comes to work every day, punches the clock, puts in everything that he can to maximize his talent. I'm banking on that guy over anything else. Um, I think the conversation over Trayvon Walker is real. I think it's interesting and I think it's interesting based on um, the past of not only coaches, but the general manager, Trent Barkey because of the success that he had identifying pass rushers at his previous stop in San Francisco. But I think it's just important that you have a guy in Hutchinson that you have like real production that you've seen that you can document. I think Trayvon Walker, he's a better run defender than pass rusher. Number one overall, that guy has to impact the game in a dominant fashion. And so I would just lean towards Hutchinson over uh, Walker. And I think everybody else is like a complimentary conversation that we have to talk about, but I think it comes down to those two guys.
0: By the way, our friends at Pro Football Focus just released their podcast series today, entitled "Hutch: The Story of Aiden Hutchinson." Four podcasts released today, over fifty interviews of people around him at Michigan, family members, the whole thing. So check it out wherever you download. Your,
2: your, your yours truly's on there. You're I on mean, there too. Not a humble brag, but yours truly made it. Got a little a little cameo in that. That so, wasn't even that humble. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean that was. I mean I didn't. I mean, I didn't that was just a brag. It wasn't a humble brag.
2: Kind <laughs> of. <laughs> Like if you say humble oh. brag. that's one of those things you can kind of – it's almost oh, like saying sir. no disrespect,
1: right. and then
0: you just
2: disrespect whoever you're about to say.
1: That being said. Uh, yeah, that's right.
0: Uh. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, you know, I, I saw on Twitter, I guess, because it's on the internet, it must be true, um, the idea of smoke screening at number one overall. Oh, the Jags are smoke screening with all this Walker talk and things, and then Hutchinson – why would the Jaguars need a smokescreen? Is that really a thing at number one overall? Just pick the guy, right? Why does it matter?
2: Or yeah, does it? I don't like I don't know if it's the Jaguars doing it. I I think it's more so everyone wants to be right for their mock draft, right? So everyone is digging and trying to come up with these connections as to why the Jaguars would take this player over that player as if they know. I heard not even related to the Jaguars, but I heard the New Orleans Saints made a trade because Doug Marone was the O-line coach at Alabama, and they got these two picks, and now they can move up to get Evan Neal, who Doug Marone coached at Alabama. I mean, that's, that's what you have during this time of year. It's lying season. Everyone is lying about whatever, but there's no reason for the Jaguars to misrepresent. In fact, I don't think they've been, I think we on the outside, because there's so much time, we get bored, and we got tired of seeing the same names up there, so we threw a different name. And had a different conversation. But I don't think the Jaguars have done anything. I think they're doing right by bringing all of these guys in because you just never know. If not this year, you don't know four or five years down the line when free agency happens, if someone is traded, if someone is cut. You want to have all that background information on them in case you get a deal that you can't refuse.
1: Bucky, I know you don't know exactly uh, the timeline on when the Jaguars will decide who they're going to take. But typically, take the fan who's never been inside that process. How typically would that work in terms of uh, the process, the meetings, the conversation? Do general managers typically say, okay, I want to know who I'm taking at a spot, or I want to know my three if then scenarios by X date? Because they have to, uh, I assume you lock that in at some point. But what's the normal timeline for things like that as you approach a draft in the final couple of weeks?
2: Okay, so as we're taping this, we have two weeks before the draft starts. So what typically happens is uh, the guys, the scouts, uh, should be back in meetings. They're doing the final part of the board, meaning they're going over, they've done all the pro day workouts, they've done all that other stuff. They got all the measurements and data and information, got all the background stuff in. Uh, Now security should come in and provide like the – the character assessments and reports where you dig into the stuff. So now you have all that other stuff.
1: Those are mammothly important.
2: Yeah, those those, those are hugely important because you're trying to make sure there's nothing in the background that's going to embarrass the organization um, and those things. You want to be aware of all the situations that your prospects have been in so you make decisions whether to continue to evaluate them or whether to remove them from the board. Uh, The medical team comes in with the final medical analysis. That stuff should be in this week so you can have that discussion next week. But by the end of next week, all of that stuff should be in. The the board should be pretty much firm and concrete when it comes to that. And then it's a matter of just going through draft scenarios. Now, when you're number one overall, you control the board. You make the decision. Uh, You continue to go back and forth. Um, uh, Doug Peterson, Trent Baalke would go back and say, hey, have we missed anything? Hey, Let's compare these Top two guys again, or these top three guys. Well, what if we did it? Just go through it one more time to make sure you feel good about the decision. And then at some point, you got to make decisions. So when we roll into that final week, we should know with about 90 to 95% certainty hey, this guy's going to be our pick. And then what you're hoping as your scouts are making phone calls and hey, where are you going to be on draft night and all this other stuff that everybody's okay. That's why they make those phone calls to make sure everyone is okay. Are you healthy? Are you good? What's your phone number, your backup number? Because I got to talk to you before I pick you because I don't want to uh, draft someone who something that's happened in the last minute and then you are stuck with it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. And then you're the you only thing to pop up the last week before the draft, too social media, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you never know.
1: And then at some point, I, at some point, if you're the GM, it comes down to you, right, Buck?
2: <laughs> yeah. Look, in a, in a perfect world, you want to make sure that everyone is in lockstep that you don't have like a, a, a tie situation or that you, you're, you're haggling over. Well, I like Hutchinson and I like walking and this and that. Like you want to find a, a player that everybody in the room feels good about. And even if you were the dissenting opinion in the room, once the decision is made that he's going to be a Jaguar, everybody's on board with it. Everyone has to represent and say, okay, this is what I got. This is where we're going. You fight a good fight as a scout, but once that decision is made that we're going to take X – at the number one overall pick, everybody rallied behind it, and everyone needs to make sure that the language and everything is positive when we talk about that player going forward. He's a Jaguar. He's not such and such a guy.
0: Bucky, what's uh, what's been happening lately on past to the draft, and what do you have coming up the rest of this week?
2: Well, you know, we just, just continue to kind of do these things, bust up these rumors and try and pick who the guys are. I think this is a week where we're doing cluster busters, trying to sort out the segments and look beyond the first round, start looking in the second and third round seed, what would be likely scenarios and then, you know, get my little plans together to come to Jacksonville so I can be there with you guys. And I can see all the anxiety and nervousness and all that stuff from you guys up close and personal. And I can just calm everybody down and say, Hey, we got this. We got a first bag. We ain't going to mess it up. We got it. I know Jo likes to get nervous. Bucky, like,
0: Bucky, hey. Bucky, young Bucky. Well,
1: yeah. I don't get that nurse for the draft anymore, but it's, uh, <laughs> um, as we close Give me your guy at 33. I'm going to ask you every week, but give me your guy at 33 this week after you've done all your mocks. I know you sit there every day and do a mock draft by yourself on your own little whiteboard. Who's going to be available at that spot that's the best pick?
2: Now, the thing would be how they want to play. I think you could be looking at a scenario where Tyler Lindenbaum is right there at 33, and you have to make a determination on whether you want to take a really good football player who has been a good football player for a long time in college, comes from a great program, but... He is. Uh, he has shorter arms, and he only can play one position, which is center. He plays center like an all-pro, but he only can play one position. And so I think he is going to be there. For me, given uh, Doug Peterson's experience with Jason Kelsey and how important it was to have a guy that can move and do that stuff, I can see Lindenbaum being a perfect fit. Hard to,
1: right to pass there, so. on him if he's there, right?
2: Yeah, because I, I think you want to continue to build it up. You want to put the best offensive line together that you can assemble. And I think he would be a great piece at center.
0: There you have it. Of course, uh, Bucky is, that'd be pretty nice. Um, yeah. Bucky, as you said, you'll be here for the NFL Draft. Our coverage on Jaguars.com. We'll have shows leading up to the draft. A draft party on Thursday, April 28th. More details to come within the week or so about access for fans to that draft party. Happy Hour Radio tomorrow at 4 o'clock on 1010XL AM in Jacksonville and the Jaguars social channels with offensive coordinator Press Taylor joining us in studio. We'll get his thoughts on the first few days of meetings with players, including the quarterback. Trevor Lawrence uh, ozone podcast this week coming up what Ozone
1: podcast and it, it'll either be uh, Mike McCoy or uh, Travis TN. We haven't decided which one we're going to roll out. And uh, before we close I, I do want to say again, I, I said this last couple weeks, uh, starting Monday, we're going to start rolling out Bucky and uh, my uh, draft stories. It's mostly Bucky. He contributes big time. And uh, it's not th- that often that you get that much Jaguar specific out of a national guy who's as tuned in as Bucky, so it's it, it's uh, worth the read. I've seen the first couple; it's a good job. So uh, people should uh, click on that and read it for him and not me. Bucky, how about that?
2: Yeah, I appreciate that being very complimentary <laughs> and everything. Like I need to check and see what's in that cup because I'm gonna make sure that same that same uh, beverage is in the cup when we get the draft. We hey, can, it's never too early
0: Listen to all our podcasts on the podcast page on jaguars.com or the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. For Bucky Brooks, John Osier, and our producer Joe Fortunato, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.